Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. Morning shot. Good morning. This is Morning Shot and I'm Lin Lee on Money FM 89.3. Now we've got some news fresh out of New York. Singapore's Minister for Sustainability and the Environment, Grace Fu, has delivered the country's second voluntary national review to the United Nations. The review highlighted key national efforts like the Singapore Green Plan 2030. Ms Fu touched on crucial actions that the city has taken, including a boost in efficiency and resilience of our water infrastructure to ensure clean water and sanitation, as well as the mapping out of possible pathways and strategies for our energy transition, where solar power, hydrogen and electricity imports will play key roles. The nation is also fostering innovation, inclusiveness and digitalization along its green journey. Now, that's all part of efforts to accelerate the implementation of the UN's 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development. And interestingly, this all comes as a series of extreme weather events hit a slew of cities globally in recent days. For more insights, I'm joined by Professor Benjamin Horton, Director of the Earth Observatory of Singapore at NTU. Good, good morning to you, Professor. Good morning. First off, what do you make of Singapore's progress so far? Well, I think in certain elements, uh, Singapore certainly does take the lead. Um, if you picked uh, an example like the threat of sea level rise, so the Prime Minister had a National Day rally in 2019 mm-hmm. talking about its existential threat. Mm-hmm. And as a result, the government invested many millions of dollars into the science. Without proper science, you can't have proper adaptation. So invested in the training of young people at NUS and NTU. Mm -hmm. And in five to ten years, there'll be this workforce of Singaporean-based scientists doing the science on sea level rise. The second aspect of that is coastal adaptation. The government, again, have set up a centre of excellence in coastal adaptation, so we'll have the most (laughs) state-of-the-art solutions to how to prepare the Singapore coastline for the rising seas. So I think it's a very classic example of investing in the science to get the proper adaptation. Where do you think we stand on the global stage when it comes to progression of efforts to tackle climate change? Well, we talk... A very, very good message now. Um, We're always at the forefront. You just heard about Grace Fu in New York City, talking about the variety of initiatives. What we need to see is that the words are backed up by actions, that we can start to track a decrease in carbon use on this island, a transition through to a greater source of renewable energies, trying to think about more sustainable developments as we build our HDBs mm. or indeed these coastal adaptations. Okay, uh, Professor, specifically in relation to Singapore, which are some of the challenges that may be trickier to overcome and why? Well, It doesn't matter about how difficult these challenges are. They have to be overcome. Singapore, I mean, I've worked in a variety of different countries looking at the impacts of climate change. And of all the countries I've been to, I think Singapore is the most susceptible as a country as a whole. Hmm. Sea level rise, a third of this island is only one metre above the highest tide. And... Antarctica has 60 metres of sea level rise within it. That's why it's an existential threat. Mm. We're a country that lives 
right on the boundary on upper t- temperatures and humidity that the human body can handle. And we're a city-state, so we have this urban heat island effect where we've stripped out the natural cooling effect of vegetation and replaced it by concrete and asphalt. So we're very, very susceptible. We also, as a country, I think, have a responsibility to lead on climate change. Mm-hmm. We are a developed country. We have two research-intensive universities. We're the only country in the tropics that have such universities. We have high biodiversity on our doorstep in the marine and the terrestrial realm. We need to lead. Mm-hmm. So I think some of the challenges are because of the threats. Some of the challenges are because we really have to have this responsibility. If we don't do it here in Singapore, who else is going to do it? But there are some limitations. Renewable energy, for example. We just don't simply have enough land area to mm. provide a significant source of solar energy. We do not get strong winds. So we can't look at wind power. So we are going to have to be innovative on how we save energy in our grid. We have to be more of a test bed where we do technologies, implement them on a small scale, and then sell these technologies to the rest of the world. From a more macro level, we've heard the UN and the rest of the world repeatedly call for more changes and efforts to tackle the climate crisis. As a climatologist, how far would you say the world is from its goals? Well, I think this is, on a personal basis, is one of the more frustrating aspects of this. We live at a very fortunate time. Climate scientists have been working on this problem for over 40 years. So I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. 10 to 15 years ago, policymakers wanted to know what the tipping points were in the Earth system. What temperature thresholds could we not? go beyond scientific community came together and said we have to keep our global mean temperatures below 1.5 degrees c warming from pre-industrial levels because if you go beyond that we don't talk about the extreme weather that we're experiencing today it actually causes destabilization in systems in the earth that actually influence the air that we breathe the water that we drink and the food that we eat. So we came up with the threshold. We then also provided the pathway. We said that by 2030, we needed to peak our emissions. So we provided all this information to policymakers, exactly what they wanted, Mm. but the government did not react. And that's a frustration as a climate scientist. Yes, there are segments within the economy that are rapidly transitioning to being carbon neutral. Our use of renewables is growing exponential. The costs are decreasing exponentially, but we're still burning oil, gas and coal at record rates. Our amounts of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere have not been seen for over 800,000 years. Mm. 2022 was a record. 2022 was also a record for deforestation. So again, Singapore and the Centre of um, Nature-Based Solutions at NUS does much work about the importance of the natural world, but Mm. we chopped down more trees last year than we ever have. It's not working, is it? Well, I can really tell that you're, you know, from what you're saying, you're 
very disappointed with how things are turning out. And, and in your recent opinion piece, you also mentioned that the world should stop acting shocked by the extent of climate change. Yeah. I mean, on a personal basis, um, back in 2019, I wrote a Straits Times article that um, Singapore and Southeast Asia would receive record temperatures with threats on water availability, food availability and the impact of haze when the next El Nino comes. I then repeated this article in the Straits Times in February this year. So on a personal basis, I knew this was coming, but we don't see the appropriate reaction to keep people safe globally. I mean, you know, you can go to someone far, far more prominent than me, Al Gore, released The Inconvenient Truth, his documentary about what will happen if we don't reduce carbon dioxide emissions 20 years ago. So climate scientists have been banging this drum, warning the population, trying to provide the best possible information, but we really need policymakers to act now before it's too late. As I said, the government said, well, the scientists said 2030. We've got seven years. Mm. Professor, you've also talked about having more stories showing humanity responding rationally to the crisis. But will such success stories really have more power in nudging people and businesses into action? Well, I think one of the problems with the scientific community is that we thought that we could just write reports that would be read by the government and understood by the public. And then we'd have action on climate change. And I think a problem of scientists is that we didn't gain the confidence of the public. And that's all about communication. So I think there have to be a variety of messages. Yes, you have to state the urgency. You have to state the implications. But you also have to state the hope. I mean, we have all these young people with brilliant, smart minds. Mm. We can't curtail their innovation, their hope for the future, let them solve the problems. But we, our generation, must give the youth the support. I'm just going to uh, veer a little bit away from what we've been talking about, but um, the extreme weather conditions that we're seeing in many parts of the world over the last week, could you translate that into real-life examples for us? What will a one and a half degrees increase in temperatures do to us or other creatures that live in our midst? Well, if you have a look at what's happening around the world with these record-breaking temperatures. I mean, it's supposed to peak in Europe today. Perhaps Sardinia will be around 46 degrees C. In the US, they've got this dome of high pressure keeping temperatures well in the three digits, so over 40 degrees C, but over 100 degrees Fahrenheit consecutively. We see temperatures being broken in China. All of these cause huge stress on the body. Heat waves cause heat stress, particularly for the elderly, those over 65, and particularly for the young. People who are parents know that you, for example, can never, ever, ever leave your child Mm. in a car on a hot day. Why is that? Because when you're young, you can't perspire, you can't cool yourself down. But as your temperatures start to go up, you get to temperatures where it doesn't matter how young, old, fit, lack of health conditions, you will just simply overheat. And if you're outside in those conditions, you can cause yourself serious harm or even mortality. So it's incredibly serious. 
the human body cannot handle temperatures above 37 degrees centigrade when there's a hundred percent humidity singapore runs at temperatures around 37 what was it on may the 12th 37.1 37.2 and we run at around 80 70 percent humidity so we're very close here in singapore if we go beyond these thresholds we'll have to completely change how we live it will not be safe to be outside in the midday and the afternoon. Do we want to live in a country like that? I don't think so. Uh, Sounds really grim. Before we let you go, Professor, could you sum up for us, beyond Singapore's shores, what is your assessment of how the rest of the world is contributing to this green, green push? Is it practical to expect much more within a short time frame in seven years? Well, I think, again, ask me those questions, is it practical? We have no choice. It has to be practical. It just has to be. And so we've seen elements, especially recently, about how society can respond and governments and industry. The COVID pandemic is a classic case in point. There are lessons to be learned about how we delivered the vaccine, impact on mental health. But the world did come together to develop a vaccine at a rapid pace and distribute it around the world to save lives. We're in the midst of a Ukraine war where NATO came together and a variety of other countries to, to save a partner nation. Again, a huge, in this case, military, financial, but also governments working together. Only recently we've had the US and, the Ch- and China building up bilateral relations on what subject? Climate. The government leaders have to say, irrespective of ideology, any other differences, you have to solve climate change because it influences everyone, every single person on planet Earth. All right. Thank you very much for those insights, Professor. Thank you very much. We've been speaking with Professor Benjamin Horton, Director of the Earth Observatory of Singapore at NTU. Stay with Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.